It's wonderful to hear you sing this morning, especially of such blessed promises in the Word. And if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd like you to turn in your scriptures to Philippians chapter 3, and we'll be there, and also in Galatians chapter 2, and finally in Romans chapter 6 that our choir director Ben had quoted from briefly uh, at the beginning of our service. Philippians 3, Galatians 2, and Romans 6, as we consider the influence, or God's intended influence, of the resurrection in each and every one of our lives this morning. During his life, Albert Einstein was invited to speak at a science convention in Japan. He arrived at his hotel and a bellboy brought his bags to his room. Albert reached inside his pockets to find some coins to tip the boy and to his dismay found no money. Disappointed with himself, he thought he would give him the next best thing that he can think of and that was a piece of advice. So he went to a tablet of paper and pen in the room and wrote a note to the boy and gave it to him. And out of note, he wrote this. A common modest life is to be more valued than great success and the restlessness that comes with it. All of us would think, wow, that's a pretty powerful statement of wisdom. It has great value. And all of us who are getting older in life realize how, how potent that wisdom really is. A common modest life is to be more valued than great success and the restlessness that comes with it. We'll get back to the rest of that story at the end of our sermon this morning. But on this Resurrection Sunday, I would like to draw your attention to another phrase that gives us great value and wisdom in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. This is just one statement in the midst of a long sentence given to us by the Apostle Paul, and he says here, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Let's pray together as we continue this morning. Our Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for the privilege of being able to look into the perfect law of liberty this morning and to realize its truth and its power and its influence on our lives. We pray at this hour that you would open up our hearts and minds to know and to understand your heart for us in Paul's words what it means to know you and the power of your resurrection. Well, thank you for what your spirit will teach us. As we continue on at this Easter Sunday worship service, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. What does it mean to know him and the power of his resurrection? To know him and the power of his resurrection. You can study this word know on your own, and it's a popular word in the New Testament. The majority of the time it's used in the New Testament, especially in relationship to personal relationships, knowing someone, it's in relationship to sharing 
their life. To share a life with someone. When we met our spouses and we fell in love, we ultimately were wed, we made a commitment at the altar to share our lives together, didn't we? One plus one equals one in marriage. And we promised to dedicate our lives to each other until death would part us on this earth. You may have a special someone seated with you this morning, maybe a wonderful friend, maybe a best friend, maybe a coworker who's special to you, another family member. We care for them and we love them and it is our desire to share life with them. And Whether we're wed to a spouse or whether we're committed verbally to a relationship with a family member or a friend or a co-worker, our intentions are to experience life with them. The joys of life, the tragedies of life. And as we enjoy that life, we share in that life with each other, our love actually grows for one another, doesn't it? And that's natural. That's certainly what God would have for us. But in this context, the Apostle Paul is actually speaking to the Christian about how to grow, increase in their likeness to their Lord. He said there's one aspect in this particular phrase that we need to embrace to actually know what it means to grow in Christ's likeness. We need to understand, comprehend what it means to know him and the power of his resurrection. What does it mean to share, fully share, in the life of Jesus Christ? To share in every aspect of his life. So, with this understood, when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, it becomes our intention to share in every aspect of his life. I don't put much stock in my personal dreams. As a matter of fact, I don't put any stock (laughs) in my personal dreams. I I hope you don't either. But um, I had a dream about two weeks ago. I came in on a Monday morning. It was on a Sunday night, and I told our pastors, we pray on Sunday morning, on Monday mornings and uh, after the Lord's Day, and we pray for you. We pray for guests that have an opportunity to come and and uh, I said, guys, you want to hear something funny? I had a dream last night. And, uh, and I said, in that dream, I met Jesus in person. And, uh, and they was like, really? I said, yeah. They weren't that interested. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, that silliest question came out of my mouth when I spoke to him. I said, uh, so do you love me? Do you love me? And then as soon as I asked that question, I felt in my dream incredibly ashamed because I knew that he did, and I knew what he had promised me. And in the dream, I could just remember Jesus looking at me and winking at me with a little (laughs) smile on his face, like, I know you know that you just asked a really dumb question, (laughs) right? Everything that is his is ours, and everything that is ours is his, right? We sing that hymn, don't we? I am his, and he is mine. Why? Because we're loved with everlasting love. 
He told his disciples that in John 13, 1, didn't he? I have loved you and I will love you until the end of this age. We know from the book of Philippians also, the same chapter in chapter 3, that we have an inheritance. All that God has given Christ, Christ has given us, and we share that with him. There's so many things that we share. All that is his is ours, and all that is ours is his. We share every aspect of life, but in particular this one phrase, we want to know him. We want to share something with him, particularly in this one phrase, and that is the power of his resurrection. What does it mean to experience the power of resurrection? You know, someday the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that because Christ was resurrected, those who are in Christ will also experience the same, won't we? So even that aspect of a shared life in Christ will be ours. That which was his will be ours. But what is the most immediate influence of resurrection power in a believer's life that really knows Jesus Christ? What's the most obvious fruit or representation of omnipotent power demonstrated in our lives through Christ's resurrection before we experience our resurrection in the future? Go with me now to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Let's start to investigate this morning what is the most obvious representation of resurrection power in a Christian's life. Galatians chapter 2. Now, for some of you that have been in the Lord for a long time, all three texts that we're going to consider this morning are quite familiar to you. These texts were familiar to me all of my life growing up as a pastor's child. But I will tell you that this phrase, that I may know him, share in his life, everything particularly that I might know him and this particular aspect of resurrection power, that was a mystery to me for a long time. At least, not in my experience, but in my understanding. I came to know, as I grew in Christ-likeness, as I understood more about Scripture, what the unique demonstration of resurrection power was in my life. And truly, it's a miraculous demonstration in any believer's life that understands the power of the resurrection. So we're going to segue from Philippians 3.10 to Romans 6 through Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. All right, so let's look at verse 20. Paul says here, same author, same author from all three letters. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me, that I might know him, right? Share in his life. I am his and he is mine. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in my body, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Sharing in the life of Christ begins when we died to ourselves and we surrendered our lives to his death for us. 
Paul says here, I have been crucified. I have surrendered my heart to the reality that I needed someone to die for me. When I did that, I died with him. What part of me died? Because I'm still living in my body. That's the question that needs to be understood if we're going to share in his life. What part of me died? We're going to take the rest of the sermon to challenge your heart with that answer. You see, in Christ, we are all, by his grace, able to die to sin because he died for our sin. Our lifestyles in relationship to sin change. When we ask him to be Lord of our lives because he came to die for us and then asks us to share in his sinless life. Yes, the Lord is our creator and he's given us physical life. And yes, the Lord came to offer eternal life to all who would take him as their Lord and Savior into their hearts. But while we live, he's come also to give us abundant life. Didn't Jesus say, I have come to give you life and to give you life more what? More abundantly. What is an abundant life while we live on this earth? Many preachers will tell you that that's a life of material prosperity. They'll tell you that abundance is found in the, in the benefit that God gives us as his children of stuff and things. But that's not the abundant life that our Lord Jesus was speaking of in John 10.10. He came, the purpose for his coming was to give us spiritual life, physical life, and to allow that spiritual, physical life to understand what abundance was. And we're going to prove from Scripture, not just from the rest of Galatians 2, but Romans 6, exactly what an abundant life is. And the abundant life for the believer is a life that's experiencing less and less sin and more and more holiness and spiritual purity, that I may know him, that I may share his life. His life was a sinless life. And as we know him and we walk with him, while we will never be sinless as we walk with him, we will experience sinning less and less. Remember, if we're to know him, we share in every part of his life. We shared in his death the moment that we realized that we needed someone to die for us. And we surrendered our heart to the reality that his death was sufficient payment for the whole of our sin. And since he died for sin, we are to die to sin and live increasingly a sinless life. 
The text says in Galatians 2 that we live this life by faith in the Son of God. For without faith, Hebrews 11:6 6 says, it's impossible to please God. So what is this faith? My friends, this is miraculous saving faith. This is the gift of God that comes to us that we don't deserve by his grace. Saving faith in Christ is transforming faith. It is miraculous in its nature. And when we trust and entrust our lives to Christ and die to sin, he begins to live in us, live through us his sinless life, and we begin to share in his life, and we are able to live the virtue of his holiness. He loved me. He gave himself up for me, the text says. And when we share in his life, we reciprocate back to him what he has done for us. He gave up his life for us, so we in turn offer our lives completely to his governance because he freely offered his for our good and for his glory. Paul's desire was to know him, to share in his life in so many ways, but particularly in this aspect of finding out, exploring what his holiness is so that we might live it. I draw your attention to verse 21 only for an understanding of what cannot produce sinlessness in our lives. Paul finishes this chapter by saying, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. What Paul's saying here is to trust in mere religious good works is the antithesis of sharing in the life of Christ. To share in Christ's life is to fully trust his single work on the cross for the whole of our sin, and to trust in nothing or no one else but that. If you're going to share in his life, you must share this reality as well, that you cannot do any religious good work to gain favor with God, that you, in and of yourself, cannot do any human good work to gain favor, ultimate, eternal favor with God. If you're going to share in his life, you must do exactly what he did. He gave himself up for you, and now you give yourself up to him because you trust in his death on the cross alone as sufficient payment for your sin. To share in his life... There's nothing for you to do. It is what you are in him. And then you can be and exist in him. You are to be in him first. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To be is to be made new in him. To exist in him, to share his life in him, is to be made new in him. To share in his life 
is to embrace his work on the cross exclusively for your salvation and allow that embracing by his grace to transform who you are and the way you live. Jesus is nothing to us if he cannot share his life and the way he lived with us. Did you hear me? Jesus is nothing to us if we cannot share the way he lived his life with us and through us. Can I say that again? Okay. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is nothing to us if he doesn't change the way we live. We're sharing in his life that I might know him. That I might know him. So have you shared in his life? Has his life literally become your life? His goal to please his father, has that become your goal? You say, I know Jesus, but has he changed the way you live? Has he changed the way you think? Has he changed the way you speak? Has he taken old sin habits away and replaced them with habits of virtue? You see, my friends, on any Lord's Day throughout the year, and there's 52 of them every year, on any Lord's Day, I think all kinds of really good people gather together. Many here truly long to share in the life of Christ, particularly in relationship to leading increasingly more sinless lifestyles. And it's demonstrative in the way they live and the choices they make and what they say and where they long to be, not just on Christmas and Easter, but where they long to be every Lord's Day as they gather because they're compelled to live the life that Christ lived and, and they com they're compelled to worship as Christ worshiped. Right. When Christ comes into a life, genuinely he transforms that life, every part of it, and his life becomes our life and our life becomes his life. So let's move forward to our final phrase today as we conclude. That I might know him, and there's two things he wanted to know. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to share in his life as a person, and I want to fully understand the intention of his resurrection, and not just his resurrection, but the omnipotence behind it. The Greek word here for power and its most elementary understanding and usage in the New Testament is that I might know the power of his resurrection, that I might know the source of the nature of this power of his resurrection, saying that I might know Christ and his power to resurrect himself. Isn't that amazing? I want to know him and his innate, omnipotent ability, resurrection to Christ becomes Christ. It is who he is. This power to raise himself from the grave was in and of himself, but it had a purpose. This same power, when we trust Christ and live his life, becomes demonstrative in us. And what was the purpose of his resurrection? 
His purpose of resurrection was to demonstrate globally to every soul that would ever live that death could not hold him. You sang it this morning, right? Death could not hold its prey. But the very reason why death happened to him could never happen to him again. Your sin, my sin, caused his death. For the wages of sin is death, right? Death comes because of mankind's sin, yours and mine. My sin put Jesus on that cross. When he died and was buried, it was sin that buried him. My sin that buried him. So when Jesus, by this power that becomes him, raises himself from the grave, what's he saying? He conquered the effects of my sin on himself, which is death itself. He took upon the sin of the whole world, 1 John 2, 2 and 3, upon himself. And our collective sin killed him. It buried him. But this power, this power is power that's infinitely more influential than the power of sin. Sin can kill, but the power of God makes us alive in Jesus Christ. So I want to know him. I want to share in his life. And the most particular demonstration of sharing in that life and knowing the power of his resurrection is that since he had power to rise from the dead, even though our sin put him there, that when we trust him now, that same innate ability that's his and not ours transforms our heart so that we no longer have to live to that sin that killed him, but we can live his life, which is unto God, pleasing to God. And we're going to see that as we read Romans chapter 6 together. You may already be there. Romans chapter 6. We'll begin in verse 2. In the middle part of that verse, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Remember when Christ died and we trust him as our Savior, we died. We accept his purpose for his death on our behalf. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death, right? To know him is to... To live his life, we agreed that we needed a death on our behalf. We accepted it and its influence on our life. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism. Every aspect that's his life is now our life when we trust him. Buried into baptism into his death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in what? Newness of life. How is Resurrection power demonstrated in our lives. All of a sudden, we have this ability, again, that's not our own, that's only his, to compel us 
omnipotently by his power to walk in newness of life. Well, what's, what's newness of life? Let's continue on here as we read. Verse 5, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, what is the likeness of his resurrection like? Well, he's about to tell you, becoming intimately acquainted with this, that our old self, our old sin nature was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. Now we have died with Christ. We believe. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall no longer, that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin one time. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Very similar language to Galatians 2. Christ offered himself up for us, and so then we offer our lives up to him, and we share in that increasing sinless life to his completely sinless life. Therefore, verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall not be master over you for you are not under law. He finishes verse 14 like he does Galatians 2.21. You can cross-reference that in your Bible if you want to. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. If you really understand the grace of God, and you really are living the life of Christ and understanding resurrection power, you'll realize that this grace does something for you that religious rules and standards could never do. It can change the way you live, and it will. And it will. You can go back on your own time and in these verses, all the way through verse 14. I would encourage you to underline the word sin every time you see it. And understand this, that when we share in the life of Christ, we also share in his death, but also his resurrection. And the purpose of his embracing his resurrection life is to embrace resurrection power. And that resurrection power is exclusively interested in demonstrating itself in one particular area in your life as you draw the circle around your own seat this morning. If you know the grace of God in Christ Jesus, resurrection power demonstrates itself in your life by a craving that it created in your heart to sin less and less and to share in the holy life of Christ more and more. Often when we as Christians talk to someone else about the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll ask this question, if you died today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? 
And I'm not saying that's, that's altogether an inappropriate question to ask. I think it's certainly a, one that needs to be answered. But if we understand what it means that we want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, how about asking a question like this? Have you ever come to a place in your life where you understood who Jesus was so much and you believed on him and he changed the way you lived? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He's saying this, you can never change your sin habits by yourself. You can't do it. So I go to my, my classes to get help with my substance abuse, and I go to pay a couple hundred dollars an hour to get help from my PhD friend in psychology to get help with my depression, and, and I get help, and, and I make incremental progress. Your help is still based in human source. And while we appreciate that help, that help is but temporary and not even close to eternal in its influence. And that help is finite. It is not infinite. That help is not omnipotent, all-powerful in its nature. Like sharing in the life of Christ would be for you and and, and when you embrace him, he miraculously transforms your heart, and sets you away, sets your feet away from living a life in perpetual giving in to sin and now pursuing righteousness, all because you've accepted the power of the purpose of the resurrection. You're actually sharing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ before you experience your own. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Remember the note that Einstein gave the Japanese bellboy we mentioned earlier in the beginning of the sermon? Remember the bit of advice that he gave him? When I read that story, the first thing I thought was, boy, that bellboy was probably felt pretty gypped, <laughs> right? He went up there to get some cash, right? Because he needed the money for himself and his family. And he came away, little note with some wisdom on him, he, on it he probably could care less about. Right. Well, that note was passed down through his family for years, and this past October, that note sold for $31 million at auction in New York City. The wisdom of that note was valuable. But by nature of who wrote the note, it had intrinsic value far beyond anything anyone could have imagined. So it is with knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm confident that there are those who are here this morning that have known much about the Lord Jesus Christ in your lifetime and what you know of him has done you some good. Amen. It's been value to you, but you have yet to share in his life and understand the power of his resurrection. So you might know a lot about him but you still may not know him.
And the only way you'll know him is when you give up your life to him because he gave up his life for you. And when you know his grace, he'll change the way you live. He'll break the chain of sin in your life. The patterns of sin in your life. And he'll give you what Paul calls newness of life. What the Apostle John quoted Jesus as saying is an abundant life. And again, while he is only sinless by resurrection power when you know him, you will begin to live a life of sinning less and less. Will you allow all that you've known about the Lord Jesus Christ to come to full value this morning? Certainly, this understanding of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection is much more valuable than $31 million, wouldn't you say? Amen. None of us here, none of us here, if you came to me and you said, Pastor Tim, here is a check for $4 billion, do with it what you will, you just have to stop living in newness of life. Do you know what that $4 billion means to me? Nothing more than the paper it's written on. Because when you experience divine omnipotence and that miracle in your heart where it compels you to live a different lifestyle, that has no value. It's infinite in its value. It's miraculous in its value. No man, no organization could give you that opportunity to walk in newness of life, but him who is life in himself. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, for those of us who know you, it has been our pleasure to live your life and to know the power of resurrection. And my heart is burdened, O oh Lord, for our dear friends and family who are here this morning that may know a lot about Jesus Christ. They're here, so they must know something of him. And your heart for them is to know you, understand resurrection power. Your heart for them is for them to be able to cry like... So Paul did, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who am living, but Christ is living his life through me. We have a shared life. Lord, that's not even going to come until they're born again. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you're familiar with Jesus and you really don't have any issues with him, I would just ask you in the privacy of your own heart, to examine whether you share in his life. And the only way you're going to be able to answer that question is, has his life changed yours? Has omnipotence changed you in the way you live? Has omnipotence broken the chain of canceled sin? And if not, all you have to do this morning is just simply say, Lord, I am that sinner that put your son on the cross. I am that sinner that buried him.
And I am that sinner for which he rose. And Lord, I'm overwhelmed that he would do all of this for me and offer me not just physical life and not offer me just eternal life, but offer me abundant life now, that he can offer me a life where I'm walking away from sin increasingly rather than living unto it. Lord, save me. By your grace, Lord, save me. I beg you, Lord, save me. I'm empty. I'm troubled. I'm saddened. I cannot live the way I'm living anymore. I need to walk in newness of life. Lord Jesus, save me. No one else has been able to. No organization can. I've tried them all. Lord, save me. Only the King of life, the Prince of Peace, you, Lord Jesus, can save me. Lord, I'm yours. Come into my life. Save me. With their heads bowed and eyes closed. And no one looking around. I'm not going to mention your name. And I certainly promise to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. If you prayed that prayer, one that knows a lot about Christ, but this morning you have come to know him. And you've invited him into your life. Surrendered your life to him. By turning from your sin and placing your faith in him. If you prayed that prayer, he heard you. And he saved you. Would you be willing to lift up your hand and say, Pastor Tim, pray for me this week as I need help understanding what it means to walk in newness of life. Anyone at all. I prayed that prayer this morning. Pray for me. Lord bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? That was me. I've empty. Lord bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. I've tried everything and I'm still coming up empty. I just, I'm done. I'm done trying myself. I need help. Only the Lord Jesus can save me. Anyone else? Certainly pray for you folks this week. Anyone else? You don't have to raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer, the Lord heard you. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want you to find me after the service and please let me know so I can continue to pray for you and work with you and what it means to grow in Christ's likeness and to share in his life, this newness of life, this abundant life. Okay? Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you so much. As we continue in this service, may these words from your word resound by your grace in our hearts as we leave this place of worship throughout this Easter holiday and the days to come. In Christ's name, amen.